Good morning, everybody. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. And we're going to study one verse, but a very packed verse. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. The title of today's message is The Church Multiplies. Let's read this verse. I'll say another quick word of prayer. And we're going to talk about Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. A quick word of prayer. Lord, we've just read your word. We pray that now your word would read us. For your glory and for your kingdom's cause, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's an amazing thing to realize that we exist as a church because of what the Lord did in and through the early church. It's amazing to realize that God's church has been growing and has been preserved for over 2,000 years. If, if you know anything of the Jewish calendar, you'll notice today is also Pentecost Sunday. That 50 days after Jesus resurrected from the dead, the early church was gathering. The Holy Spirit came and flooded that house and thus began the spark of the early church. And that is today, which is an amazing thing. And it's an amazing thing to realize that as the church, we believe that the best is still yet to come. Amen? Amen. As we continue to study in the book of Acts, we've titled this section of the book Advance. Because we've been looking at how the early church advanced and exploded from Jerusalem in Israel to now the ends of the world. And the goal of our time together is to honor Jesus by looking at how the early church advanced and multiplied and how we can be a part of advancing and multiplying God's glory here on earth. To help us in our study today, I've outlined our time together in five sections. Number one, the early church multiplied in peace. Number two, the early church multiplied in edification. Number three, the early church multiplied in the fear of the Lord. And lastly, the early church multiplied in the comfort of the Spirit. And then we'll end with a time of application and response. Let's talk about the church before we get to number one. Notice in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. This word churches comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which we translate church. And it simply means an assembly of the people. Now, in the Christian context, it's uh, it's the gathering of the saints together. So you look at this place. We are the ecclesia. We are the assembly of the saints gathered together. And notice in the text that the churches resided all throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. So we have to ask this question, how did these churches start? If we realize that the hub was in Jerusalem, how did the church spread through Judea, Galilee, and Samaria? How did the ecclesia, the saints of God, come to these regions? Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 8, and we'll read verses 1 through 4, because this is the origins of this verse, Acts chapter 9, verse 31, and how these churches came to be about. In Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, 
It says this, now Saul was consenting to his death, speaking of Stephen the martyr. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So notice that these churches started and were scattered because of the persecution persecution in Jerusalem. And here's the thing, what a wonderful God that we serve. Because the more I read scripture, and the more I walk with him, the more I see that he, God, is able to take what the enemy meant for evil to actually work out for his bride's good. That's us, the church, and God's glory. How did God get these churches in Judea, Samaria, and Galilee to start? Well, its origins had its root in persecution, that through hardship and pain, The early church was scattered, and notice that as they were scattered, they preached the good news, and these churches were started. And notice that these churches were established through the nameless men and women. These guys were nobodies. Look again in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And so I love the fact that the majority of these churches were planted and established and were established by nameless men and women who heard and received the gospel in Acts chapter 2. And it reminds me that God is able to use anyone and everyone who is willing to say, here I am, send me. And as I walk with Jesus, the more I'm convinced of the fact that God is never really looking for giftedness, he's looking for faithfulness. See, he's looking for the faithful men and women uh, that even in and through persecution will take the name of Christ and the gospel, the good news, and preach it wherever they go. He's not looking for the super apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. These were the nameless men and women that God was using to establish these churches. Now, how big were these churches? We don't know. They met house to house and from temple to temple. Some of these churches could have been a gathering of five, maybe to 500. Who knows? But all the churches in these regions, uh, Judea, Samaria, and Galilee, they were being multiplied, and they started because of the nameless men and women who said yes to Jesus. And they said, here I am, Lord, save me, or send me. And, 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 and these churches began because of Jesus's first promise to the church that he will build in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And he said this to Peter, and on this rock, which is the statement that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and the coming one, that God, Jesus, will build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And just for a fun fact, the first time the word church is used by Jesus is in this verse in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, which he articulates, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. So we trust that God is really good at doing what he does, amen? And so even in the persecution and even in the pain, Jesus was the one building his church. And this is where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 9, verse 30, when all the churches in the regions of Judea, Samaria, and Galilee, they were being multiplied. Now, if you look at a map of Israel, you know that Judea, Jerusalem is in Judea, and Samaria is to the north, and Galilee is to the north of Samaria. And so the gospel was primarily at this point in the book of Acts being uh, preached and taught to those of Jewish descent. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, this is kind of the pivot verse 
Because we'll see as we move on in the book of Acts, as we advance, now the gospel, the churches will start in the areas of the Gentiles, which is an exciting part of the story. And this is why we exist today, because the gospel went forth from Jerusalem all the way to Judea, Samaria, Galilee, and then to the ends of the world. And this is all fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You can say that Acts chapter 9 verse 31 is the, uh, uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 31 is the beginning fulfillment of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. These churches that were being multiplied. This is the beginning of how the gospel of the churches would be provided to the Gentile regions and nations. Notice also in Acts chapter 9 verse 31, this is the first time the church the churches were being multiplied. Earlier in the Acts accounts, you see that the, the, the disciples were being multiplied, that the Lord was adding to the church daily. But now this is the churches, the groups of ecclesia, the groups of the saints. These guys were being multiplied. And the disciples had been multiplying, which ultimately leads to the churches being multiplied. And we as a Christian church say, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Would you multiply the churches again in this age? Amen. Number one, the church multiplied in peace. Look at our verse again, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. This word peace is irene, which means freedom from worry, quietness, and rest. The early churches in all these regions had peace. And in context, these churches had peace practically because of Saul's conversion and him being delivered from the persecution that he was now experiencing. Now, this wasn't to say that they weren't, um, they weren't um, subject to, 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 to not the persecution anymore. They still had the pains of life. They still wrestled with the flesh. And also in this time, the Roman Empire was growing and there was much persecution in the early church. So just because Saul was converted and he wasn't persecuting the church anymore doesn't mean that the church wasn't still um, receiving that persecution. But even in that, they had peace. And I love looking at that because the peace of God is also available to us, the church, today. Do you know that one of the many blessings of walking in right relationship with God is peace? And the peace that we experience today is a taste of the everlasting peace that is to come in his kingdom. And when we see him face to face. And I love the truth that we can walk in God's peace. Why? Because in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Romans 15, 13, Paul writes, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I love that Paul says and prays this over to the Roman church, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. God is the one to fill us with his peace. We can also walk in God's peace because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus that Jesus himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So he fills us with peace because he is peace. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 to 7, let your, gentle bit, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, you guys know this, let your requests be made known to God and the peace. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So those verses articulate God fills us with peace because he is peace and he guards us with his peace. The early church was experiencing peace not because there was no pain, but even in the midst of pain and persecution, they had a peace that was outside of their circumstances, which was Jesus. And this peace is available for us today as well. Let's move on to number two. The early church multiplied in edification. This word, uh, we're edified, it means to build a house, to strengthen, to embolden from the ground up. And it speaks to being built up from the inside or being encouraged in your core. So it's from the ground up, I'm being built up, I'm being encouraged, I'm being emboldened. And so what did it look like for the churches to be edified? It it meant that they were being strengthened individually and collectively by the Lord and each other. I say firstly by the Lord because in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 and 5, 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, Peter writes, coming to Jesus as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up, that's the same word edified, are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here's the truth. Peter explains that all members of the church are living stones being built up together as a spiritual house as we come together. So Jesus is the one building us up firstly, but also two, he uses the body of Christ to edify or embolden or build us up from the ground up as well. They were being built up by each other. Did you know that you can be a vessel of encouragement to those who are around you. That you could be used by God, filled by his spirit, to encourage someone in their core to continue to walk and trust in Jesus. What did this look like in Saul's life? Well, after his conversion, he was blinded, right? And God spoke to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, and Ananias listened to God, and he went to Saul, even though his reputation was that of persecuting the church, he stepped out of his comfort zone to bring in some encouragement, to lay hands on Saul, and to pray for him, and to heal him, and things like scales fell from his eyes, and Ananias was was an extension of God's encouragement to Saul. What else did this look like? Well, Barnabas, right? The son of encouragement. He was the vessel of encouragement to Paul earlier also in chapter 9. And Barnabas went out of his way to engage with Saul and bring him into fellowship with the other believers. And so I love that the churches were experiencing God's peace and they were being edified. They were being built up by God and by each other. And just a word of encouragement that as we build each other up, we recognize that we have scratchy places. We have rocky exteriors. And, and the way the Lord builds us up as, as we're fitted together is that the body of Christ rubs us and sh- sharpens us, right? Proverbs 17, verse 17. We, uh, as iron sharpens iron, we are shaping each other to be better fitted so that we collectively are a spiritual house together. Have you ever experienced the friction of being a, a Christian and walking in community? Yeah, we can be honest here. Honest hour, this is church time. It's, it's, it's a true statement that we are hurt in community, but we're also healed in community. And so, yeah, we, we hurt each other sometimes, intentionally or unintentionally. And, and we're, we're being fitted to be together. 
But we're also healing together as a spiritual home together. That as we come together, a spiritual house, the head of the church, Jesus, is being glorified. And so, yeah, it, it does hurt sometimes to be encouraged from the inside out. And God might be using you as an, uh, as an extension of that encouragement to a brother or sister in the room. I would say don't shy away from that. Listen from the Lord. Be sensitive to the Spirit of how he wants to encourage you and wants to use you to encourage others. And that might be some friction, and that's okay. So the early church multiplied in the context of peace. They also multiplied in the context of being edified together. Number three, the church multiplied in the fear of the Lord. Let's read our verse again. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. What might it mean to walk in the fear of the Lord? I love this definition. The fear of the Lord is a continual submission to God in humility, faith, and, consist, and consists of a hatred of evil and the desire to turn away from it. So what does it mean to walk in the fear of the Lord? It means to walk in a continual submission under, uh, unto God in humility. Firstly, recognizing that he is God and that we are not. That, that he is powerful, that he is the creator who spoke things into existence like we sang and so will I. That he is so awesome that he is to be revered because he is that holy. And so what does it mean to, to walk in a continual submission under God? It says, hey, you are the chief shepherd and I am the sheep. I'm no longer going to take charge over my own life. I'm not going to provide for myself and make my own means apart from the shepherd. I'm going to submit my life under the shepherd. I'm going to walk in humility. I'm also going to walk in faith and trust that even when it doesn't feel good, I will trust the shepherd. And even when I don't see how he'll provide, I will trust the shepherd. It also consists of a hatred of evil. It's not asking how far can I walk this line without crossing over into evil. It's no, God is so holy and beautiful and good that I'm going to stay on this side. That I'm going to love him. I'm going to be in right relationship with him because I fear him. It also means to hate evil and, and, ask, the Lord to de, and ask the Lord to change our desires to turn away from evil to walk in his light. So what did that look like? In the early church. Well, I love this example of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. The first kind of tension with the religious leaders, and they were being persecuted, they were being questioned in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. And what did they say? It said, they said, it's more important to listen to God over what you Pharisees are saying. And we can't help but speak of the things which we see and we hear and we heard about in Jesus. To walk in a continual submission to God in humility, faith, and, and a hatred of evil and the desire to turn away from it is to walk in the fear of the Lord. And Peter and John said, I'm not going to fear man because I fear God. And that's a good litmus test. You know that you're walking in the fear of the Lord when you stop walking under the fear of man. You know that you're walking in God's confidence and his wisdom when you don't give a rip about what other people are telling you. You don't give a rip what the enemy says about you because you believe by faith what God says about you. And you receive by faith that I am who he says I am. To walk 
I love this phrase, to walk in the fear of the Lord implies a continuous and daily action. It's not a running or skipping in the fear of the Lord. It's a walking in the fear of the Lord. And what does that look like for us? I, I love just this analogy in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and leaning not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledging him because he will direct our paths. When I walk in the fear of the Lord, I'm going to trust him with everything, every corner, every facet of my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. And in every situation, I'm going to acknowledge God. God, what do you think about this situation? God, what's your heart in this situation? God, show me your way in this situation and lead me, and he will direct our paths. So the early church was walking in a submission under, uh, unto the Lord in humility, faith, and it consisted of a hatred of evil and the desire to turn away from it. And, and the early church wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that they did this perfectly, but more often than not, the Holy Spirit emphasizes that this was their reputation, that they were walking in the fear of the Lord. And I'll just say this, if you're walking in the fear of the Lord and you stumble, that's okay, get back up. It doesn't mean you have to start over at the beginning. No, no one starts over in the beginning at the race when they mess up. They just get back up and continue running. Amen? Amen? So just keep on walking in the fear of the Lord. This is what the early church did, and they multiplied in the fear of the Lord. Number four, the early church multiplied also in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful thing. They, they multiplied in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Read me, with me again. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Just a few notes about walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, that more often than not, walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit implies that you're walking through conflict first. You're comforted because there's conflict most of the time. There have been some really sweet seasons that the nearness of Jesus and his presence has just been so good that there has been no conflict. It's just he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me beside the still waters. But more often than not, the comfort of the Holy Spirit comes because there is some type of conflict. This conflict can be a physical conflict, a relational conflict, an emotional or mental or financial conflict. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is able to cover all of those facets of conflict. We cannot be, I believe, comforted if we're not first afflicted. And I praise God that he is a redeemer even in our affliction, that even in our pain, if we allow him, here's the key, if we allow him to redeem our situations, we can receive his comfort. I've heard it said this, that he redeems as we release in surrender. That there are situations that God is wanting to redeem, but our hands are all over it. We're not ready to release it and surrender so God can do little with it. But when we say as a church, God, redeem this situation. I'm going to give it to you. It implies a release in surrender. So he redeems as we release. I love that phrase. If we allow him to. He's not going to change who he is. He's always going to be the great redeemer. But can he be the redeemer in your life, in your situation? You have to let go. And I love that as we release in surrender, he can redeem, and, and the comfort that we receive is then repurposed. I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you know that your story is in preparation for someone else's story? That's how God works. In the afflictions that we experience and we receive that comfort, God then uses that for us to teach others and share that same comfort that we received. Now, the lie of the enemy is we are comforted to be comfortable. No, the scriptures teach that we are comforted to receive that comfort, yes, but then to repurpose that comfort and give hope and life and comfort to those who are in need. I love the fact that the Lord can redeem any situation. Now, I look at the early church. They, they didn't go to theology school. They didn't have these church planting uh, seminaries or things. So it was probably a little bit messy. And even in the mess, God was able to redeem their mess and make it into a message. Amen? Amen. And we can say in our life, too, yeah, there may be a mess, but it's a setup for a message later on. And so just a word of advice. What is the Lord comforting you? In what affliction is he redeeming in your life? Because I'll tell you this, that message will then be your, sorry, that mess will then be your message sooner or later. Because that's how good of a redeemer he is. And this is all a work of the Holy Spirit. Because in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, but the helper, that word is also comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit implies conflict, tension. Maybe it was a relational thing. Maybe it was a persecution thing. Maybe it was a faith thing or a venture of stepping out in faith thing that they needed help with. Oh, I love that the Lord sends us his comforter. And that we are never without comfort. If we're not feeling that comfort, it's not because the Holy Spirit has left. It's because we've neglected his presence in our life. And so we are able to walk in God's peace. We're able to walk in his comfort because the Holy Spirit is with us. This is how the fulfillment of that promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you because the Holy Spirit is now indwelling us and in the early church. So the, so the early church walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I love that. As we think about some application for today, we see that the early church multiplied in peace. And a couple of questions of reflection that you can take a walk with later on today. Are you walking in God's peace? It speaks of a freedom from worry, a rest in your own soul. Are you walking in God's peace? And then I guess the follow-up question is, are you walking in peace with others? Like has been preached in the last couple of weeks, man, the church can be a messy place. Like I said, we are hurt in community, but we're also healed in community. And we are the family of God, but we are a dysfunctional family, right? And so sometimes we need to bridge that gap and restore peace to even a brother or sister in the fellowship. I'll say this, in the context of peace, we see this over and over in scripture, the Holy Spirit is then able to move because we'll get to Acts chapter 13, that the early church was also united in prayer and fasting. There was peace among themselves and the Holy Spirit spoke, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. Man, I want God's direction for our church. I want God's direction for our lives. It happens more often than not in the context of peace. And I know that we are given peace to then build peace with one another. 
And get this, this peace isn't something that you have to muster up yourself. It's a peace that is received by God and then given to others. Are you walking in God's peace? Are you walking with peace in others? And maybe ask yourself this question if you're prone for that anxiety or that lifestyle, or that lifestyle of anxiety. What might you need to do today in order to better walk in God's peace tomorrow? If you're prone to have that anxiety bend, like so many of us do, what do we need to do today in order to better walk in God's peace tomorrow? I'll say this, when our minds are on the Lord, he gives us peace. When our minds are on the earth, we lose that peace. And so maybe it's a not looking at the things on the horizontal level so much and focusing on the, minute, the, the minutia of the things going horizontally. Maybe it's really focusing on going up. So that our minds are stayed upon him and that he is able to give us peace. Is it a confession unto the Lord? Lord, I don't have peace with you because I'm harboring sin in my own life. I would beg of you, confess that. Receive forgiveness. Receive the peace that God gives to his children. Confess those sins to the Lord knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Or maybe it's a a peace with others that you happen to navigate through this day or this week. Ask the Lord, Lord, how do I have this difficult conversation with this person in order to restore peace? Give me that humility. Give me that love for that other person that I would be able to humble myself and have that difficult conversation. Maybe that's what the Lord has challenged you on today. Number two, speaking about application, the early church multiplied in edification. And the church was being built up by the Lord and by others. And just that word of encouragement, what is, that, what is the Lord building in you? How is he encouraging you? And know that as he builds you up, he first must tear down. In order for there to be a building up in your life, to you be edified and built up and emboldened, there has to be a tearing down. And I love the phrase that, uh, that, that brokenness is the beginning of revival. Because as the Lord breaks us down, he then builds us up. And in the building, we experience that revival because we're receiving new life. And that life is going to be repurposed in the lives of other people. So what is the Lord building up in you? And know that as he builds up, he must first tear down because before honor is humility. Maybe... As we talk about edification, you need to be asking, how can I better encourage someone today or tomorrow? I am guilty of just looking at my own life and worrying about me. And Jesus' heart is for others. And if we are given this gift of encouragement to use to build up the body, ask yourself, Lord, how do I fit into this plan? How can I be used today or tomorrow to better encourage someone in their relationship with you? Is it a prayer that I need to pray with them or for them? Is it a good deed that I can do to encourage or to bless them? Or is it a Bible verse that I can pray and and, and share with them today through a text message in order to encourage them in their own soul? What are some practical ways you can encourage or bless somebody? And here's the truth. As the church, we need the Lord, but we also need each other. The Lord has given us this community that as one member is sick, who says that we all suffer. And so we need each other. We need us to be walking also in our spiritual gifts because that is how we're also encouraged and built up together. 
Again, we are hurt in community, but we're also healed in community. And so maybe you can be an extension of healing today by encouraging someone on your way out today or even tomorrow. The earlier church also multiplied in the fear of the Lord. So speaking of some application for us, what might keep us from walking in the fear of the Lord. Know that it's not our own default to walk in the fear of the Lord. And that's normal, okay? You're not an abnormal Christian if you don't have a desire or you forget to walk in the fear of the Lord. This is a supernatural work of God in your life. But you have to ask the question, what is keeping me from walking, uh, from walking in the fear of the Lord? Um, and how can I better walk in the fear of the Lord? We know if you study the book of Proverbs that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. You're looking for wisdom in your life? Fear the Lord. Which means to honor him by acknowledging that he is God and you're not. He is the shepherd and you are the sheep. He is the potter, we are the clay. And so we, we can let go and say, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life to help me to better walk with you, you do. And maybe it's a pruning thing that God will do in your life. Because you've been so distracted with these things or the things of the world that the Lord needs to prune you back in order for you to be more fruitful as you walk in, his, uh, as you walk in the fear of him. What might keep you from walking in the fear of the Lord? Ask yourself that question. And then how could you better walk in the fear of the Lord? And last but not least, we talked about how the early church multiplied in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Ask yourself this question. How has the Holy Spirit been your comforter? And what trials has he redeemed or is redeeming? Because that's where usually the Lord wants to use you to be a blessing to someone else. And if you've walked with the Lord, but you're not experiencing the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I'll say this, it's available to you today. And I've learned as I continue to walk with Jesus, sometimes I'm not walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit because I'm being disobedient to what he's already told me to do. Notice that the comfort of the Holy Spirit came after they walked in the fear of the Lord. We can't expect the Lord to bless our sinful lifestyles and say, Lord, I need comfort. It's a confession and repentance and walking in the, in, in the fear of the Lord then that brings the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So ask yourself these questions. How has the Holy Spirit been your comforter? What trials has he redeemed or is redeeming? Because that's usually where the Lord wants to use you to be a blessing to someone else. And as I call up the worship team, we're going to close our services with two songs. But what the Lord prompted on my heart as we talked about these four different things is that we need to respond to how the early church multiplied, because guess what? The Lord wants to multiply in us his fruit. And if they walked in peace, we acknowledge that we need peace. If they walked in edification, we need to be edified. If they walked in the fear of the Lord, we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. If they multiplied in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so how do we respond to these things? Well, we do business with the Lord. In honesty and the tearing down of masks, and it's a saying, Lord, here I am, do whatever you want to do. I want that to happen in this service. And so within these two songs, maybe the Lord has spoken to you about walking in his peace. Come to the front and ask the Lord, Lord, I need peace. Maybe he's convicted you of, of being edified and maybe you're, 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 you're being built up but you're shying away from that work of the Holy Spirit and you just need to surrender and say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. 
then come up to the front and say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Build me up however you want to, be, however you want to build me up. Um, maybe you've been convicted because you haven't been walking in the fear of the Lord. Ask the Lord, Lord, would you remind me of your presence? I believe the Lord loves to distract us with his own faithfulness as we walk with him. Ask the Lord to remind you of his presence. And maybe you're needing the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He is the God of all comfort. And he is infinite in his comfort because that is who he is. We could never exhaust God's comfort. If there's still comfort to have, it's found in him. And so we avail ourselves and say, Lord, I need to, to be comforted by your Holy Spirit. He loves to give the gift of the Holy Spirit and his comfort. So let's respond. You, you, uh, Joe and the team will lead us in a couple of songs. The floor is here for you guys. I know that there's going to be prayer partners on the other sides of this stage. You can receive prayer during that time as well. But in these two songs, let's ask the Lord to do whatever he wants to do. Let's ask the Lord to multiply in us the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you will build your church. Lord, you're building us. And I pray that as you are the potter, we are the clay, that you would have your perfect work and will done in us and through us. Lord, my heart right now is just burdened for those who need the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Would you be the God of all comfort? Would they feel your presence? Would your promises be brought to remembrance by your Holy Spirit to give them hope? Lord, we pray comfort in the difficult situations and in the difficult conversations that you're convicting us to have. And we ask, Jesus, that you'd fill us with your spirit and your strength. I pray, Jesus, that as we respond in this time of worship and reflection, that you would lead us in all your truth. We will respond with a readiness to say, here we are, Lord, do whatever you want to do for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.